The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. It is take three. I am attempting to make this work yet again. I hate to not do post shows for you guys. And YouTube, Google Hangouts, to put it mildly, YouTube doesn't care about Google Hangouts anymore. They want to push you towards the higher-end encoder stuff, which I do have available, but, man, it's it's so less interactive and just a pain to deal with sometimes. But it looks like we're going good now, so I don't have to delay the stream. I'm not promoting the stream, just in case it craps out. So those of you who tune in right now live, you all get it live. Let's go ahead and get into this show. My God, it was a good show. UFC Calgary, I thought the main card lived up to the hype. At least the last two fights especially did. It was a packed card, too. When you've got Jose Aldo in a co-main event, you've got Yawana and Jacek in third from the top. That's pretty good. Now, I can't, I can't pretend that I expected the UFC to put on this kind of an effort, this kind of a card towards the end of their Fox run. I mean, they're done in, what, five months? The ESPN deal kicks off in uh, January. So the UFC is really winding things down for Fox. And they brought the heat tonight. There were prospects. There were former champions. There were just interesting fights. There were, you know, you had the story of revenge. You had all that stuff. And this was a pretty good show. Let's start from the bottom. We had Devin Powell unleashing what I often refer to as the old pants shitter liver kick. On Herrera. Herrera came out really overwhelming and aggressive, but Powell threw some naked leg kicks. But And Powell didn't seem to have any balance early on and crippled Herrera with a couple of back-to-back series of liver shots that I thought looked outstanding. I mean, obviously, they looked outstanding. They finished Herrera. Backstage, Joe Lozon told Fightful's uh, James Lynch that he thought that his protege in Devin Powell was just a little bit too nice. And he had to get aggressive. And that's that's what paid off for him. That's what paid dividends. Was Powell getting aggressive and going after Herrera in this way? Now, Devin Powell ruptured a testicle. Wow. And was almost about ready to get cut by the UFC until they offered him this, this late-notice fight and ended up winning against Herrera. Kept himself active. Imagine getting sacked after you get sacked. No thanks. Number 13, Nina Ansaroff outlasted number 12, Random Marcos. Head over to Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. We have a Fightful Plays with Random Marcos. It's a series. Uh, 
it's a a very inconsistent video game series we do. But James Lynch go. I went to the hotel room of Random Marcos. They played some. I think it was Adventure Time on uh, on NES Super NES. That's definitely worth a watch. This it had Marcos won. It would be only her second pro winning streak, and she's alternated wins and losses in her last eleven fights. But you might as well make that twelve now. Ansaroff engaged to Amanda Nunez. She was in the corner. Ansaroff got out-wrestled in the first round and opened up her leg kicks in the second. Marcos would rush in in an effort to uh, refuse Ansaroff the range she needed to land those kicks. However, you know Ansaroff, after this fight, should have been on a four-fight winning streak. She got hosed in that decision against Justin Keish, and many had her beating Lima too, but I didn't. After she was granted, or not granted, she earned that win, she screamed, yes, fuck! Okay, sure. Number nine, Dustin Ortiz. Fightful spoke with him after his win, uh, where he just head kicked through the the lowered guard of Matias Nicolau. Nicolau riding a three-fight winning streak and was trying to stamp his place in the division as a contender. Uh, especially with the champion, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, fighting next week. And this was a win that Dustin Ortiz, in my opinion, had to win in order to keep himself relevant. And he did it. Because otherwise, otherwise he I don't know if he was ever going to get that title shot. And it just takes three, man. It just takes three. And Dustin Ortiz knew that too. He knew it just takes three in that flyweight division. He threw that head kick in which it looked like a Nicolau blocked. Daniel Cormier was so good on the call tonight. And he broke it down so well about while if you have your arm up here to block, you need to have your far hand over here, not down where Nicolau had it, but up here to help guide that foot away from the head. That's high-level breakdown, man, especially on the air as something's going on. Daniel Cormier is the best in the business, live on air, breaking things down as they go. I don't know if there's ever been anybody better than him. It really stood out to me, I think, at UFC 197 when he called the John Jones OSP fight, and he remained completely objective despite the fact that they were embroiled in one of the biggest feuds in UFC history. So Ortiz now has the second longest flyweight winning streak, which is just three, and it's behind Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and the third most 125-pound wins in UFC history. That's fantastic stuff. Up next, we had Caitlin Chikagan at number seven, defeating number three, Alexis Davis. By the way, Dustin Ortiz went into this fight number nine. Uh, and he defeated number 12, Nicolau. And I believe he was an underdog still, even though he was ranked higher. And he told us after the fight, us being Fightful.com, that that's normal for him. He usually is. But as I think Zane Simon of Bloody Elbow pointed out, is there any fighter or any athlete that sees themselves as anything but an underdog? They always think somebody's counting them out because somebody probably is. And that's probably, I mean, I know that I unfortunately hear criticisms much louder than praise. And that's something that, you know, personally, you know, I've had to overcome. Imagine that magnified a thousand, a hundred thousand times, probably most of these athletes. 
They always hear people trashing them. I trash, I trash a lot of these guys for a living. So I'm sure they do. Caitlin Chikagan, number seven, outpointed number three, Alexis Davis. I thought Chikagan won a nice technical battle. We're going to see a lot of this in the UFC flyweight division over the next year, which is top three to five fighters getting beaten by relative newcomers, even though Chikagan isn't that much of a newcomer. She still isn't. She's not as established. You have the Liz Carmouches and the Alexis Davises who came down from the Bantamweight division and had fights with with Ronda Rousey. But when I say that Chicagan's new, I mean that she wasn't a pro fighter a little over four years ago. And she wasn't in the UFC uh, about 25 months ago. She debuted in July 2016 and has went – Four and one, and many thought that she should have beaten Carmouche too, uh, or not not Carmouche rather. Uh, the the Aldana fight, she she had that one in the bag, but you know losing to Liz Carmouche in this division is okay. But when this division has Davis, Roxanne Modafferi, and Lauren Murphy in the top six, this this is going to happen. If you want a good fight out of Caitlin Chikagan, you have to push the pressure and the pace, and Davis did that, but she couldn't win because if you push the pressure and the pace, you'll get a good fight out of Chikagan. But you'll also get picked apart at range, which she's so very, very good at. She is one that you have to watch, but she's not doing herself any favors by not finishing anybody. She didn't finish a ton of people outside of the UFC. I know that she had a couple of knee knockouts, and she beat Sajara Eubanks, and that's a nice win to have. But but um, you have to... You have to finish at some point. And through her first five fights, she hasn't. And she hasn't won any fight of the night bonuses on her way to getting five decisions either. Ariane says, Sean, thanks for the post show. Really appreciate it. Hey, guys, when those first two streams messed up, I thought about calling it a night. And I was like, you know what? I got one thing I'm supposed to do. And that's bring you guys a post show. And damn it, I'm not going to take this job for granted ever. So thank you guys. Those of you who who still managed to fight through the trash and join me. John McDessie, interview with him up at Fightful.com right now after his fight. He went to war with Ross Pearson and won. They were doing Ross Pearson no favors here, giving him the Canadian and Canada. It was a war, and it was one that McDessie won pretty easily. But my favorite part is for him like pretending to have mercy. You know, those guys who pretend like they're beating up their opponents a little bit more than they were. When Matt Brown was beating up, I think, Pete Sell, and he was calling for the end of the fight, that was justified. McDessie calling for the end of the fight here was not. And he's, like, pointing, like, come on, ref. Come on, ref. Stop the fight. Then Ross Pearson tosses him flat on his ass. That was great. McDessie has won three of four. Pearson has lost five of six. And Pearson is not a perennial bonus contender. Even though this was a great fight, I loved it. Ross Pearson's the type of guy, man, even if he gets cut, and they like him in the UFC. They really do like him. He'll land in Bellator almost immediately. That's what he'll do. He'll end up in Bellator or in Ryzen and he'll fight Melvin Gillard six times. That's just the way it is. Ian Kutilaba. Has more in the gas tank than anti-gulab. Number 15, uh, Kutilaba came out with the Bret Hart gimmick. I'm talking the shades, everything. 
The music didn't give the shades to a kid, though. That's a no-no. Now, he healed... He healed Bret Hart after that. Bret Hart was there. He said that he's better than Bret Hart. It's what he told us at Fightful, anyway. He wanted to prove he was better than Bret Hart in Calgary and inspire people. But you got to give the shades to a kid. Or at least walk him over to Bret Hart and give them to him. Hmm. It's like Gulov lands a takedown but gets really tired and doesn't have the energy to finish the round. That is a terrible sign. He got up and ate a bunch of knees and elbows in the clinch and got finished. Kutilaba even wore the sunglasses after the win. That was a miserable performance by Anti-Gulov and that anti-gas tank he had on him. That was sad. A, an ugly state of affairs, that was. Kutilaba is probably going to replace Anti-Gulov. Who, uh, Kutilaba's won three out of four. Anti-Gulov ends his four-plus year winning streak. With this, and I can't believe that's the same guy. Kujalaba is going to replace him in the rankings at number 15. And I would imagine that Kujalaba will get a uh, Pedro, a Cummins, a Serkinov. I, I, I think it's too soon, for, you know, Shogun to even talk about stuff like that, but he's going to get one of those guys from 10 to 15. Uh, I think Tyson Pedro would be a good one. I think Cajun Johnson probably gets cut after this, though, and that's unfortunate. Cajun Johnson, who had won four in a row, or I think four in a row after this, gives birth to the four-fight winning streak of Islam Makachev. Islam Makachev, who John Anik and DC were putting over as a potential future championship title contender in this fight. And to me, I just didn't see any way that Cajun Johnson would win. He was one of my put five. I'll put five on it. But I didn't think Makachev was going to lose this, and he didn't. After Johnson tried to use his footwork, it just wasn't happening. Makachev took Johnson down to the ground and tapped him fairly easily with an arm bar. Set it up, peeled it out. Extended the elbow, and that was that. Johnson has been very outspoken. I mean, he he kind of crashed a CM Punk interview a couple years ago and talked shit while he was uh, injured and on the shelf, but has also been an advocate of Project Spearhead, which is Leslie Smith's thing. And he told us at Fightful.com that she was fired illegally. So I can't imagine that he's done himself any big favors for the UFC, and they certainly did not do him any favors either. And he didn't bitch about it either. He could have bitched about this matchup, but when you won four in a row, you want these fights. Even though Makachev isn't ranked, he was a highly ranked or highly touted prospect. And now he has won five of six. He's won four in a row. His one loss is like under two minutes, Adriano Martins. And since then, Martins has gotten bounced from the UFC and lost his Fight Nights Global fight. So, I mean, you got to believe that if Makachev had that one back, he would get it done. He's got Habib Nurmagomedov in his corner. He calls out Brock Lesnar after the fight. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, we've not heard that one before. Watch more UFC, man. <laughs> Mendez did this a couple weeks ago. Hakeem Duwadu outclassed Austin Arnett. Duwadu got one of the best pops I've heard in MMA. That was outstanding and deafening. He got some early leg kicks. But in round two, Arnett started to discover that Duwadu didn't really have a vision for straight right punches. But um, 
That didn't stop Duwadu. He hit leg kicks and hooks to the body at will and ended up taking this. And for Duwadu, that's good. He needed that bounce back win after he got signed and lost really quickly to Danny Henry in England. And they, they gave him the benefit after you know, eight fights unbeaten in World Series of Fighting. He was a World Series of Fighting product that when he reached his apex, let well and didn't leave. He took he missed a year. So it was it was <laughs> it was the right type of fight for him to get here in his hometown, a good bounce back. And I mean he, he he's beaten some guys. He's beaten Steven Seiler, that's his biggest win, but Austin Arnett was the right bounce back for him and he's getting it done. You know, twenty seven years old used to be where you had to really make it happen. But now the, the prospects are kind of emerging a little bit later at times. So he'll be fine. Speaking of Jordan, Meehan, 28 years old, but has fought 43 times that we know of probably closer to 45. And after it looked like he was done, he hadn't won in three and a half years until he beat Eric Silva. And then he turns right back around and beats Alex Morono. So he's going to be in the UFC for the foreseeable future. And for all those fights that ended early, that ended fast, ended in the first round, in the first minute early in his career, he's going the distance his last four. And he's putting the work in, man. Jordan Mean, they were just swinging him. It was wild. It was absolute garbage te- technique that sometimes evolved into a powerful takedown from Jordan Mean uh, that, that showed how good he could be on the ground. In the third round, Morono tries to pull a guillotine but can't get it done and ends up exhausted. And they interviewed Jordan Mann. And it's a good thing that Fox cut off his interview because you wouldn't want the Fox broadcast to bleed over into the Fox broadcast. Jordan Mean gets it done, man. And uh, Alex Morono, I get the feeling he's probably done. His one win in his last four fights is against Josh Berkman. That's not saying a lot. He has a no contest in there, but Nico Price tested positive for marijuana, and who gives a shit about that? Who cares? Main card. Alex Hernandez answered a lot of questions. Number 13, Alex Hernandez defeated OAB. Whoo! I expected Hernandez to come out and fight like he was invincible, and he does, and quickly realized that OAB was a more experienced fighter. However, OAB very weirdly gave away his top control by pulling guard. And for some reason, Mark Goddard bailed him out on a stand-up. A knee right in the penis stops the action, but... Hernandez comes right back with a big combo and a takedown. He wins a decision. And this was a big, big test for him after the quick KO of Benil Dariush. Alex Hernandez, who revealed to Fightful.com recently that he would be added to the UFC 3 game. We needed to see him in this type of performance. Knocking out Benil Dariush is impressive. And we've not seen Dariush since then. But, I mean, to be fair, that was Dariush's third straight fight that he hadn't won. Should he have been in the top 15 at that point? 
I don't know, but it was definitely the fight that took him out of it. And before that, you know, Dariush had some really great wins. Michael Johnson, Magomedov, James Vick, Jim Miller, just real good ones. But couldn't cut it at the top upper levels. But Hernandez needed to face a guy like OAB and go the distance with him. We needed to see that he could do that. We needed to see that he could sustain this over three rounds. And not only did he sustain it, I thought that he looked even better in the third round. He was very well conditioned. We do have an interview with Abin Mercier up at Fightful.com and Alex Hernandez. Virtually everybody on the card. James Lynch is, is there in Calgary getting work done. But I like this. And, man, Aubin Mercier, he's not one you can sleep on. This was a big, big win. This is a way bigger win than Benil Dariush, in my, in my opinion. Because even though Aubin Mercier didn't have the ranking, he had won seven of his last eight, and even including tough, what, nine out of 11? That's insane in that division. Can't get that done a lot. Alex Hernandez is going to get a pretty good name next, I think. If I were Alex Hernandez, I'd probably aim for an Ally Aquinta, an Anthony Pettis, maybe. Maybe an Edson Barboza. He wants six to ten. Let him go for it. Then we had the three big fights. Number one, Joanna Janjacek was just better than number five, Tisha Torres. First off, I've mentioned this in the past, how I would love the UFC to ban their fighters from saying, they've never fought anybody like me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, when you say that against a rookie or somebody who's a flash in the pan, that's one thing. But when Tisha Torres says that about Joanna Janjacek, one of the most successful female fighters of all time. Well, she's never fought anybody like me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Got those exclusive interviews with Janjacek and Torres up on FightfulMMA.com too. This was a must win for either woman to remain in the title discussion at 115. That being said, had Joanna lost this fight or won this fight, she could move up to 125 pounds and contend there. You don't think UFC would love to put on Valentina Shevchenko against Joanna on a pay-per-view? 
That's a good fight. Not happening yet, though. Yoana is very stubborn in saying that she wants to regain her championship. And I get it, man. Like, I could understand why she would want to do that. But when you've when you've lost two in a row and you're you're painting yourself into a corner here. You you want the title shot, but man, you lost two in a row. You got starched the first time. Almost nobody gave you the second fight. I think 72% gave it to Nama Yunus and even even a greater percentage of the MMA media scores were for Joanna or for Rose Nama Yunus rather. It's just you're you're painting the UFC into a corner to where it's going to create conflict between you and them. Meanwhile, all you got to do is say I'm going to 125 and when Chevchenko beats uh, Nico Montano, you get that title shot now. I mean, you can, especially with a win, you can do that. You can make, you can call that shot. But the first round featured Joanna winning the clinch battle and stuffing takedowns, even with her back against the cage, which I thought was surprisingly effective. She's able to saw people up with those elbows and knees and was able to find good angles for those. Torres is able to get inside here and there, but emptied her cupboard and did not have anything for the range of Joanna. Just nothing for the range of Joanna. And that's that's what we talked about on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. It goes live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. I did put five. I had the I put five on it on Torres, but I mean you almost have to with with odds that that crazy. But I said eventually it was going to be the range and the clinch of Joanna, and that's what did it, man. That's that's her game. That's what she's so good at. And the thing is. Torres is really good at that too, but she's honestly still fighting a 125er there. And I think that's that's one of the issues that she ran into long ago. Co-main event, this was an awesome fight. Whoo, boy. By the way, give us a follow over at Fightful MMA on Twitter. That's where you can see exclusively our MMA stuff, our MMA stories. A good time over there. Also, I do the UFC rankings breakdown on FightfulSelect.com. It is our premium service. We give you all the good free stuff here at Fightful.com. But if you want some extras, just us going beyond and beyond, that's a good one. I'm going to release this week's UFC rankings breakdown free to non-subscribers as a preview because this is just going to be a shitstorm of changes in the UFC rankings. Because you look at it... uh, Number one defeated number five in women's uh, straw weight, so Torres is going to fall. You have Alex Hernandez, might, he might be jumping up. You have Kutilaba, he's going to replace Antigulov. You have the number seven straw weight defeating the number, or number th- seven flyweight defeating number three. You have Ortiz beating Nicolau. You have Ansaroff over Marcos, and then you have that main event. But this is Aldo's first non title fight in nine years. What I expected was Aldo chewing through Stevens with leg kicks or Stevens countering a leg kick to knock Aldo out. The former happens, and then the latter almost happens. Stevens started to hunt Aldo down after it looked like Aldo got hurt on a leg kick. But to me, the most dangerous Jose Aldo is a hurt Jose Aldo 
However, Jeremy Stevens doesn't throw anything unless he thinks it's going to knock you out. He doesn't throw a lot of setup stuff. So Aldo's were able to maintain his composure, and he had just stopped throwing leg kicks. The ones that that he found so much success with, he just stopped throwing them. That's why it leads me to believe that he's hurt. And then we get the old pants shitter part two. You know, I love a good body strike. And this one looked like it could have hit with the liver or the floating rib. Jose Aldo just rears back, sets it up, and heaves that left hand right into the body of Jeremy Stevens, and Stevens crumples. I talk about this in my pro wrestling podcast all the time. Somebody needs to do this. Somebody needs, besides Ronda Rousey, she's the only one. She's the only one that knows to do it. This was fantastic. This was Jose Aldo backed into a corner and he says, all right, guy, let's go. And he threw it. Jose Aldo told Fightful.com that he took this fight because Jeremy Stevens puts on good fights. Jeremy Stevens is a big name and he respects Jeremy Stevens for the way that he fights. I respect Jeremy Stevens for the way that he fights after this. He was a punchline a couple years ago. Who the fuck is that guy? He was a punchline. In loss, he's not a punchline, man. He still wanted to fight. And the guy still knocked Josh Emmett and Duho Choi dead in their fights. And if you said this was fight of the night, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. The guy is just, I think he's like eight, nine bonuses deep in the last decade. Been in the UFC since 2007. His first opponent was Dean Thomas. Remember him? Probably not. Because he retired like five years ago. He beat Rafael Dos Anjos in 2008. Got a lot of respect for Jeremy Stevens and the way that uh, he has just reinvented himself at featherweight. Yeah, it bounced back after missing weight in 2015. It's not happened to him since then. He's been a model citizen since then. And I know that he didn't like the stoppage. It was a good stoppage. And Jose Aldo finishing him the way that he did Winslow, you haven't seen Jeremy Stevens get finished at featherweight ever, ever. I mean, he's went to decisions. Nobody's been able to finish him at featherweight. Not a lot of people were finishing him, knocking him out, period, at light lightweight. I think Eve Edwards did. That was it. Got submitted a couple times, so that speaks volumes for Jose Aldo. As for what I think is uh, next for Jose Aldo, uh, Dana White did say that Max Holloway was doing better, but he's going to need some time, man. Now, to me, Aldo's got to win at least three in a row to get back in the title picture. He does. But God, man, who does Aldo fight? He can't fight Mendez. He beat him twice. 
He can't fight Edgar. He beat him twice. He can't fight Stevens. He just beat him. Josh Emmett, I think he's coming off of a loss. Yeah? To Jeremy Stevens. Korean Zombie's all booked up, and he's already beat him. Moicano's booked up next week. Maybe, maybe him if he emerges victorious over Swanson. Mirsad Bektich? Maybe. Is that the kind of name you want to throw in there with Aldo? Well, a lot of people will say Brian Ortega. But what if Aldo wins? You running Holloway versus Aldo out there again? Enjoy your 120,000 buys. I don't know if you want to risk the Ortega-Holloway match at, at the, quite possibly the expense of it to put Aldo back in that title picture with Holloway. Now, if Ortega beats Holloway, yeah, sure, give Aldo a, a title fight. Not a lot of options at 145. Not a lot of options. It's rough. It's rough, man. But Jose Aldo, man, did you see the emotion? Just the the thrill in victory? Man, that was a special moment for him. He's been around so long. And for him to have that type of reaction after winning... That's his first finish in five years. Korean Zombie was his last, and Korean Zombie's shoulder was hanging out of his socket. This guy's been fighting since 2004. Good for him. Main event, Dustin Poirier gained a measure of revenge against Eddie Alvarez. Oh, boy. This was a good one. Dustin Poirier, number four, beat number three, Eddie Alvarez. They will jump places in the rankings. We're going to talk about this light lightweight division. Oh, man, it's getting crazy. So, <laughs> Eddie Alvarez apparently doesn't know the damn rules of MMA. Or his team doesn't. Because apparently they called for him to, to throw this elbow on the ground that quite possibly could have cost him the fight. Very, very curious. Eddie Alvarez told Daniel Cormier that he planned on throwing leg kicks because he didn't think that Poirier was going to be recovered from the Gaethje fight in time and that Gaethje told him to throw leg kicks. Of course, Dustin Poirier jumps out of the gate and almost drops Alvarez with a leg kick. Alvarez fought out of a really nice guillotine choke and ends up with his own neck crank, but it doesn't get the job done, and Poirier was throwing those short little punches there. The first round was really a feeling out aspect. The end of the fight comes when Alvarez threw a 12 to 6 elbow from the ceiling to the floor to the shoulder of Poirier. Poirier said it didn't hurt him, but because of that, Alvarez loses his position. He would use this as an excuse after the fight and say, "Oh, but they st- stood it up." To me, you cannot complain about the ref making a bad call and then complain when he does make the right call. That's two fights these two guys have had against each other, and two times Eddie Alvarez has thrown illegal strikes. If you put John Jones back in the cage with Matt Hamill 
and John Jones still kicked the living shit out of Matt Hamill. And then while doing it, he need Matt Hamill to the spine and got DQ'd. I'd say, all right, John, sorry. You had your chance to rectify that weird situation you were in, but you don't know the rules still. Eddie Alvarez didn't know the rules still, and that's weird. 12 to 6 sucks, but it's a rule. As soon as they get back out, Poirier goes crazy and just throws a killer instinct style ultra combo and beats the brakes off of Eddie Alvarez. I'm talking elbows, knees, punches. Amazing. Poirier took exception to Alvarez saying that he was a quitter in the cage and says, no, I'm not about that. I'll die in there. I live for this. And he is one of the realest guys. He takes he takes himself dangerously seriously, but has a really good heart too. So Poirier emerges victorious. He's there, man. He's there. So what do you have here? Yellow options. That's what you got. You have a lightweight division. They are putting Habib and Conor McGregor together. It's going to happen. By the way, hilarious today. TMZ posted about a minute of Conor McGregor signing autographs. And he says, thank you. And they say, can't wait to see you back in the cage. And then answers no more of their questions, which he can tell when it's a TMZ camera. Answered none of their questions. So what was their headline? Conor McGregor gives us a death stare when we ask him about Khabib's manager. <gasps> Jabronis. Jabronis. Habib, Conor McGregor, that's the fight that's got to happen. They believe that Tony Ferguson is back before the end of the year. We'll see. If that's the case, there are two options for Tony Ferguson. Kevin Lee, you could run that back and I'd feel okay with it because Kevin Lee had staff. Or you got Dustin Poirier. That's it. Somebody's getting left out here. Somebody is getting left out in the cold. Poirier knows he's a fight away from a title shot. I think if Poirier fights a guy who was champion, but isn't champion now in Ferguson, he'll understand that. He'll he'll see the benefit in that. Lee's right there, though, man. The top five in this division are going to be Habib at champion, Ferguson one, McGregor two, uh, Poirier three, Lee four, and Alvarez is going to drop probably to number five. Somebody's getting left out. Kevin Lee, man, that staff, I think, hurt him because people will see that as him having a title opportunity and losing it. How about this one? By the end of the year, or within a couple months, the UFC could have six people who aren't champion, who lost their championship in the UFC without actually losing their championship because Connor never lost, Tony Ferguson never lost, GSP never lost, Colby Covington hasn't lost his. We don't know what the, the status of the light heavyweight belt will be. It's a mess, man. It can be a real mess. John Jones never lost his championship. Ooh, gross. So the lightweight division is the meal ticket in the UFC, I think, right now. 
Kevin Lee is the star of the future. I mean, you hear GSP saying it. Dustin Poirier just had a great showing on Fox. Conor McGregor is Conor McGregor. And when I tell you Habib is big in Russia, I can't quite put that into words. That's just... It's just how he is. And Tony Ferguson is the wild card there. Not quite a draw, but he fits with all these guys. Except he he does fit with all these guys. Because he's wanted to fight Conor forever. Him and Habib, it's got to happen at some point. He's fought Kevin Lee and they had that good fight. But like I said, there's the question of staff there. What happened? I don't know. The UFC lightweight division takes center stage. Big wins for Aldo. Big win for Joanna. Huge win for Dustin Poirier. People are sleeping on him. Nine, or I think 10 UFC fights at lightweight. He has one loss. Amazing. Guys, follow me at Sean Ross at follow us at Fightful MMA and Fightful Online. Uh, if you all don't visit FightfulMMA.com for your news, I suggest you do it. Click that little exclusives tab. We have interviews coming all the time. James Lynch is in Calgary doing work. We have videos all night long. We got a playlist going right now, UFC Calgary, including James Lynch playing games with these people. He's interviewing them backstage, interviewing them before the show. Just a ton of great stuff coming out of uh, uh, James Lynch and Calgary and just wherever he is, really. Holy Smokes MMA podcast, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. We have a host of pros picks that we air on those shows. Next week, UFC 227, Mighty Mouse versus Cejudo, Dillashaw versus Garbrandt. I will not be here for that show. Jeremy Lambert's going to be doing the the live articles. Uh, We've got David T's doing the live coverage. Big thank you to him for always doing great live coverage. James Lynch is going to be doing the post-show podcast. I will be out of town. But let's take a quick look at that card. Headlined by Dillashaw against Garbrandt. Don't think Garbrandt deserves that rematch. Whatever. Johnson against Cejudo. I do think Cejudo deserves his rematch. But really, this show should be Johnson versus Dillashaw. Swanson, number five against number 10, Moicano. You have Pollyanna Viana against J.J. Aldrich. This is the UFC trying to push these two girls. Tiago Santos, number 13, against Kevin Holland. Whatever. On the FX prelims, number nine, Pedro Munoz against number 14, Brett Johns. You have Ricky Simone against Montel Jackson. We did interview Ricky Simone before the, the fight change. Number 10, Former title challenger, Betch Kohea, takes on number 12, Irene Aldana. You have Matt Sales against Shaman Marias. You have Alex Perez against Jose Shorty Torres. Of course, we have the inside track on Jose Shorty Torres. Showdown Joe is his broadcast, or not his broadcast partner. Call so many of his fights. I think that's broadcasting with him. That's a big one for Fight Pass. Ricardo Ramos against Chung Ho Kang. Daniel Taylor against Wiley Zhang, and then Marlon Vera against Buren. Decent show next week. It's probably going to maybe crack 120, 130,000 buys. But we'll be here to cover it, guys. FightfulMMA.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And thank you for those of you who checked it out. Despite the technical difficulties, I'm working on it. Anything I can do, I will do. I'm here for you guys. We're out. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.